Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And we have a very special guest today, an author, an actor, an economist, a lawyer, professor of law and economics, a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, presidential speechwriter, multi-Emmy award-winning game show host, investment advisor, publisher, writer for many well-known publications, formerly nationally syndicated radio host, movie and TV personality, 2009 winner of the Malcolm Forbes Award for Excellence in Financial Journalism, and most recently author of the new book, The Peacemaker, Nixon, The Man, President, and My Friend. You might by now have figured out that I'm talking about Ben Stein. Ben is often thought of as one of the most famous economic teachers in America, especially after his role as the iconic economics teacher in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Woo, I think it's safe to say that uh, you have one of the most diverse resumes I've ever seen. <laughs> so, well, I have to pay my bills. I've got, I've got, I've got work to do. <laughs> it's a pretty amazing story. But, you know, with so much talent oh, you're very and, so, and so many different areas, what did you aspire to as a young person? Uh, I wanted to be president of General Motors. I'm really not kidding. I, my father was friends with the president of General Motors. At that time, his name was Harlow Curtis, I think. And uh, it just seemed like the best job in the world. I mean, General Motors, this was in the 50s, was the biggest, I think, the biggest company in America. They made a great car. And uh, I just thought, wow, it'd be fun to be head up. But then my father sort of slammed the truth on my hand and said, uh, auto companies don't have Jewish presence. Uh, Jews are not really welcome in Detroit at that level, at a lower level, yes. But at a level of a high executives, executives, not a chance, not a chance. Mm. So I said, well, then I'd like to be an advertising man. Love advertising. And uh, my father said, once again, the big companies do a lot of advertising, don't have Jews in charge of that. Uh, okay, well, how about uh, uh, banks? Well, because everyone knows, even I, as a small child, knew about Jewish finance. And 
But uh, no, no Jews there either. So I went on to just be a lowly civil servant. <laughs> but from Yale, but from Yale, bear in mind. And, well, uh, not not only from Yale, but uh, you graduated as a valedictorian of your law right. school class. Yes, I did. But, number one law school in the country. Well, you're very kind to say that. I, I did not do that by having the best grades in the class. I had pretty good grades, but there are others who had better grades. But I was an outstanding challenger of the teachers. I didn't uh, put up with their nonsense and beat, but beating us over the head with uh, various uh, lies about uh, how law school worked and how judging judge, judging and judges worked, so to speak. Chris Custodia Custodias, as we say, who guards the judges. Yeah, really. Now, your father also served in the Nixon administration. Is it true that you served at the same time? Yes, and it was, it was glorious, Doctor. It was absolutely glorious. I don't think there's a better thing that a young man can do than to work in the same place with, as his father does. And uh, especially if it's at the White House, I mean, it's a different thing if you're working with your father uh, as a plumber, although any job done honestly and with a good spirit is a good job. But uh, yes, I worked there with my father, and my father was so good to me, doctor. He was the best. I think he was the best father there has ever been. I will stick by that till my dying day. He was, I think, the best father on this planet. I don't think. What made him so? What made him such a good father? Well, first of all, he was incredibly smart and and uh, inspired me to try to do my best in everything I did. Second, mm -hmm. he loved me and he treated me very, very well. And was, he treated my work with considerable, considerable, considerable respect, and that made him to me. Uh, a god. I mean, but there are many, many, many fathers uh, in the field of economics, other fields, where the kid feels, well, my father's done this, done that, but he knows I'm a dope and I'm a fool just living off his money. But my father treated me with respect. I'm going to tell you this one story, doctor, if I may. Uh, one time, uh, I guess it must have been well, I don't remember what it was, but it was at some point during roughly a year and a half, I worked for Mr. Nixon. I had a very complicated statistic I wanted my father to help me with. And I called him up on White House intercom. I said, can you help me figure out what's going on here? And, and he said, Ben, what do you think I have to do that's more important than helping my only son? Hmm. And I, I've ne no, uh, that was paradise to hear that coming out of the mouth of one of the great geniuses of economics and, and of government service was just a miracle. He, he To me, he was a miracle worker. Well, you, you uh, worked not only for Nixon, but you continued working with Gerald Ford, did you not? I did, and what, Mr. Ford was, was like? great. Incredibly nice guy, really, really smart, really, really kind and uh, kind-hearted. Interestingly enough, he was not, I think, even in the same league of genius as an economist as Mr. Nixon, but he was a super nice guy, and I would say he was a nicer guy than just about any guy I've ever worked with. Let me ask you, um, you know, you spent a lot of time around politicians, obviously. Is that how you got interested in becoming an actor? 
Well, first, I love being around politicians because they're friendly. That's what they do. They're friendly to people. They get people to like them by being friendly. And that was a huge, huge difference to what it was like being a lawyer. I was a practicing lawyer. I actually did stuff that lawyers do. I, I got out of court and said, objection or objection because of this or that problem with the rules of evidence. And the judges paid attention. On the other hand, when I said something to Mr. Nixon's good example, I just thought, wow, I'm pulling right in with wow, <laughs> If I have conversations with anyone, doctor, any, any, anyone who treats me like that in my whole life, I'm a very blessed man. Look, ha- sir, you, you are a human being. You live amidst other human beings. Have you ever had anyone come up with a story like that about his father, or or I might add, about Mr. Nixon himself. I'm sitting in a study in my house in Beverly Hills. If I look to the left, I see a letter that Mr. Nixon sent to my father, where my father left after, um, I guess he left, but he had already told Nixon he was leaving. Anyway, and the letter is from Mr. Nixon. He says, I, want, I can't thank you enough for your loyalty, and especially for your family's loyalty, because my mother, who died shortly before my father, was incredibly loyal to Nixon, too. In fact, if you wanted to tell the story of Ben Stein and his family and the story of Richard M. Nixon and his family, it would be just called loyalty. Now, my former next-door neighbor, Carl Bernstein, wrote a book called Loyalties about his family, who had been accused of being communists and were communists. But they, uh, they I mean, that was a long time ago. It's not like being a spy for the Soviet Union. But, sir, the loyalty that we showed to Mr. Nixon was overwhelming. The loyalty that Mr. Nixon showed us was overwhelming. My wife and I, my wife is the saint of saints. My wife and I are still very close friends with Julie Nixon Eisenhower. Sir, we lived a life of paradise with the Nixons. Paradise. And you mentioned your, and you mentioned your mother. Uh, oh, my didn't she mother. Make her background. I'm sorry. Didn't she have a Quaker background? No, that was Nixon's mother. Nixon's mother mother was a Quaker, and Nixon's mother said to him when he was a young boy, someday you will get the opportunity to do something great for the people, the Jewish people, and don't turn it down. Don't walk away from it. You will someday have a chance to be the savior of Eretz Israel, or as the Jews, we Jews say, call Israel, all Israel. Don't walk away from it. When you have the opportunity to save Israel, Take it, do it gladly with a full heart, and you'll make me love you. Well, let me ask you about the very famous role you played in Ferris Bueller's ah, that's Day Off. That's that, yeah, was, that, that was very good. That was fun. Boy, that was fun. Wow, that was fun. Well, that, that scene in the movie, The Economic History Teacher, ranked as one of the 50 most famous scenes in movie history. I know. Sir, doctor, (laughs) it was unbelievably lucky. My life has been a caravan of incredible good luck. Incredible good luck. First of all, my parents were so good to me, so incredibly good to me. Second, Mr. Nixon was so incredibly good to me. Third, or maybe it should be first, my wife is an actual living, breathing saint. Now, I'm sure many men, most men, have high opinions of their wives. But my wife was and is an actual living, breathing saint. And uh, that is no small thing. I'll tell you, that makes a big difference in your success. (laughs) Well, it makes a big difference in everything in my life. When I go to bed at night, and and I, 
I stay up very, very late every night watching documentaries about World War II. I, I think just down the hall from me, in our way bigger house than we deserve to have or, or can afford anymore, is my wife. And my wife's a saint. Doctor, my wife is a saint, mm. a saint, a living, breathing saint. How many people do you think get to have a father who says, what do I have to do is more important than helping my one and only son? How many people do you think have a, have a wife who is a goddess? Everyone who knows her considers her a goddess. I'm sitting here with mm. my, my, my nurses, because I hurt my knee very badly, and so I have a nurse, and, I, uh, and my very, very best friend, an incredibly smart, unbelievably smart guy, who's a big conservative writer and thinker. I get to have all these wonderful things and I'm, and I'm sitting here and I'm in Beverly. I mean, it's so blessed, so blessed. And I, every night, wifey, that's what I call her, wifey and I say a rather lengthy prayer about our lives. And a lot of it is thanksgiving, thanks to God for putting Mr. Nixon into our lives. Amen is right, doctor. You are so right. And I, I don't understand how people can live in America without spending a lot of time thanking God for that incredible, unbelievable opportunity. That really, it doesn't matter where you came from, where your ancestors came from. Uh, you're probably better off here. My and, father, uh, you know, I, I said to my father one time, uh, Pop, uh, this is well, a long time ago when I was still in law school, I think. I said, uh, I, I, we are so lucky. I don't think Jews have ever had, had it as good as we have it here in America, ever, anywhere in the whole history of Judaism. And the Jewish religion is the oldest continuously practiced religion in the world. And my father said, son, Benji, no group of any kind has ever had it as good as we have it in America. We have, it's for true, it doesn't matter what religion you are. And you, I think, hit the nail right on the head, doctor, when you said, when you said, when you said any group, Quaker, whatever it was, we all have it unbelievably good being in America. Unbelievably, unbelievably, unbelievably good. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Ben Stein. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back with Common Sense with Ben Stein. I'm sure you all recognize him. And uh, 
you know, we were talking a little while ago about that iconic scene uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off with you as an economics professor. But in real life, you're an economics expert. So let me ask you, what the heck do you think about the current economy and Bidenomics? Well, I think we're, we're, we're going through an astonishing phase right now where we have been having amazing inflation, really just breathtaking. Doctor, I don't know who does the grocery shopping in your household, but I do in my household. And I, when I go up to the meat counter, the fish counter, see the, the canned peas counter, I see the price. I just can't believe anyone can afford to pay them. But then I think, well, I'm paying them, so other people can afford to pay them too. I think we have just been through an astonishing amount of inflation, way more inflation than is good for us are good for us politically, economically, or any, in any other way. We seem to have passed the peak. Somehow we seem to be coming in for what we, we economists laughing and call a soft landing. Now, uh, what does that mean? I don't know exactly what it means. Frankly, I, I assume you do, but I don't. <laughs> but it's, it's a landing where you, you come off a big round of inflation, but you don't have a crash in the economy at the same time, that when long ago, when we had another big, big bout of inflation, I believe it would have been the late 70s, early 80s. In fact, I'm sure it would have been. And uh, we came in for a landing, but it was not a soft landing. It was a hard landing, and people suffered a lot. Now we're coming in for what seems to me to be a soft landing, and people are not suffering as much. So, I think, I think our economy was a very, very strong very, when Mr. Biden came in. Very, very strong. To withstand some pretty severe body blows. And oh, yes, 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 yes. And, I, and if I may say so, no, I, I love Mr. Trump. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I love Mr. Trump. I did not start out loving him, but I love him now. And I think he has been the test of whether the Constitution of the United States works and if they, they, his opponents, manage to get him out of office and keep him from being president, it will show that the Constitution is not working as well as it should. Sir, we have a great, great economy right now. It's not as great as it could be, but it's pretty damn great. And I, I'll tell you a simple way of testing that. And here it is, really, really simple. Something that even my old, pathetic, old person's brain can remember. Where are all these people crossing the border coming to? They're not coming to Canada. They're not coming to Tajikistan. They're not coming to Saberstan. They're coming to America. Exactly. They are. And I, and I keep thinking, well, if, if uh, things are, are terrible, whose fault is it? I'm not sure whose fault is it. But to the ordinary guy on the street, if, if things are bad, they are bad because the Democrats, if they're good, it's good because we still have the powerful momentum that Mr. Trump left us. I don't think he, yeah. I don't think Mr. Trump gets anywhere near the credit he deserves for being a very good leader in terms of economics. He was, he was not a good leader. He was a great leader. Well, he understood business. He understood how yes. things worked. And he understood that if you could get rid of all the strangling regulations and let the economy work and let the free market work, it would do a great job. And it did. And it, all, and it has, except for a few uh, incidents, especially the beginning of the Great Depression, it has worked unbelievably well. Sir, we are so blessed in this country to have an economy that works as well as ours. We're blessed doesn't even start to cover what we've got in this country. We have got 
a miracle of no name cancellation article. Well, you've, you've probably been it. all over the world. Oh, yes, I, but, have. Uh, I have. I have. I have been to 68 different countries. Oh, my God. Well, you're way ahead of me. You're so far ahead of me. <laughs> Doctor, you're so far ahead of me. It's unbelievable. It's un- unbelievable. Unbelievable how far ahead of me you are. I can tell you by being in all those places, it makes you really appreciate this country. Oh, my, sir, sir, sir. When I was a child, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I should have looked this up before we went on the air. How 72. old? You're 72? You're just a yeah. child. I'm 79. Anyway, <laughs> when, I, much when, I was, when I was a child, we had a number of neighbors on our street in Silver Spring, which is a neighborhood you've probably at least seen. I don't know if you've ever been to it. And they would tell us routinely about how after they'd been on, say, a two-week vacation in, in Western Europe, they would kiss the ground they, as they got, off, they got off the plane. I, mm-hmm. I tell you, I kiss the ground of America every day when I wake up. I mean, I'm not allowed to stay uh, on my knees kissing the ground and kissing the floor or whatever <laughs> because that would be a hazard to my knee, which is an endless problem. But, sir, I am so blessed to live in America. You are so blessed to live in America. We're all so blessed Absolutely. to live in America. You know, it's interesting. What I've noticed is a lot of the immigrants who come to our country do extremely well. Yes, you bet. And it, and it doesn't matter what their ethnicity is. They come here and they see all these opportunities and they take advantage of them. And a lot of people who live here can't see any opportunity. They can't see it and they don't want to see it. And they're complaining and moaning about about what is going on, which is really unbelievably great what's going on. In daily life, life in America is it's, it's so great. I, I'm speechless trying to even explain about it. I just to be, as I was coming down here to have the great pleasure of visiting with you, doctor, I saw a story about a woman who's a, uh, I guess she's a congresswoman from the state of Washington. And uh, thank God there are no congresspeople yet from the city of Washington. But anyway, uh, she uh, was talking about how she thinks that the Democrats are the saviors of women all over the world. But in fact, it was. <laughs> The Democrats hate women, at least if the party leadership does. They don't want women to act like women. I think Mr. Nixon understood better, perhaps than any other president that I'm aware of, that women have it incredibly well, incredibly good in America. They're not discriminated against. They're not treated like dirt. And Mr. Nixon, I think, had more respect for his mother than for anyone else in the world. Other people may say, oh, my greatest respect goes to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, or my greatest respect in the world goes to, uh, let's see, uh, FDR, somebody. But Mr. Nixon's greatest respect and love was for his mother, who was a nurse and a teacher. That's it. He didn't need to go very far. A woman doing yeah. a good job as a mother was a fantastic figure in Richard Nixon's life. Well, speaking of jobs, you've had a lot of them. Huh. Uh, what was your favorite and most fulfilling job? Well, probably being a teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You may notice all these pictures behind me of me. With, well, you can't tell it. This is a, with various movie stars. They're, they're over the shoulder. Anyway, and... and uh, I love I love being a, what you might call a movie star. Last night I I went to visit a very close friend who's in the hospital. She she jaywalked in front of my house, bringing me some medicine, and she got hit by a car, leg broken oh, no. in three or four places, 
ankle smashed. And anyway, she's been in the hospital in great, great pain for weeks now. And so I, she called and asked me if I would bring her some medicine, not illegal medicine I bought off the street, yeah. but just regular medicine. I don't, it might not have even been a prescription medicine. As, as I brought it into one of the, uh, what's I call them? I guess we used to call them janitors. Now they call them cleaners or custodian or something like that. And this guy looked at me and said, does anyone ever tell you you look a lot like Ben Stein? And I said, <laughs> yeah, my wife tells me that all the time, thank God. But I, and what a great life to live. Where me, being a, an economist who knows really, really knows something about economics, being the, the husband of the most wonderful woman in the world, a, a living, breathing goddess, that's a great way. And then being a, a man who can go and uh, talk to people I love. In Westwood, West, Westwood is a city of Los Angeles that probably has the most left-wing people in the world. Yeah. And more so probably than Moscow. Well, thank you for bringing some common sense there. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and and, uh, sir, and and God bless you. God bless you, doctor, for bringing it into the national discourse in a way that I never will be able to. Gratitude. You know what? Gratitude, sir. Gratitude, doctor. That's what it's all about. Gratitude. Absolutely. And we're going to be back in a minute uh, with Ben Stein. We're going to talk about his book, The Peacemaker, Nixon, the Man, President, and My Friend. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're in the middle of a great discussion with our special guest, uh, Ben Stein. And uh, his book, The Peacemaker, Nixon, The Man, The President, and My Friend, it uh, starts off with a Bible verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, Matthew 5, 9. And you refer to, uh, to President Nixon as a friend and a hero but most importantly, as a peacemaker. Yeah, he was. He loved peace. And in fact, I can remember, I don't think it was my last conversation with Mr. Nixon before he entered immortality, but close to that. And I, I said to him something like, Mr. Nixon, you've been so good to the Steins, my father, my mother, and me. And uh, is there any anything you'd like to pass on to me that I can just 
think of over my shoulder, so to speak, anytime I need inspiration. And he said, yes, Ben, peace is wonderful. Just, just that, mm-hmm. just peace is wonderful. Now, I think that of any man who passed on so much common sense in such a short sentence deserves great respect. Did he, uh, did he during his time as vice president and president, uh, play a role in laying the, the, the groundwork for the subsequent end of the Cold War? Oh, very much so. He and Mr. and Mr. Kissinger together, uh, and here's how it went. It wasn't particularly complicated. And you're, you talk a lot about common sense, and this was common sense. Here was Russia, very pow- economically weakling basket case, politically weakling basket case. Militarily, incredibly hard to beat in the whole world, and they did. And Mr. Nixon saw that people in the in the Soviet Union, as it was then called, and in Russia, as it's now called, well, he he, he wasn't there to see the beginning of Russia, but anyway, he he uh, want peace. They they want peace. They don't want to be oppressed. And and uh, if you can set up a situation where it's easier for the leaders of the Soviet, as we used to call it to uh, make be making peace than to be making war and preparing for war you you you're all you got it all locked up mm-hmm. i mean he he made it very easy for the people who run russia to say uh, we 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 tried communism it didn't work very well uh let's try uh ca- capitalism now unfortunately under mr putin there's been some considerable backsliding by the leadership of russia but uh, basically we are in a much better position than we were uh, when the the Russia was still the Russia of the of the czarist dictators. Well, how do you think uh, Nixon would have handled the uh, October seventh situation? Mr. Nixon always said we don't negotiate with terrorists. I think Mr. Nixon would have sent Israel all that it needed in the way of weapons to carry out a thoroughgoing. Would not have hesitated at all to arm. Uh, our greatest friend by far in the rest of the world, besides England, maybe, maybe Israel, he would not have hesitated to send them everything they needed to bomb uh, and blow up uh, Hamas till it was all rubble. And I think I, I have seen a fascinating interview, I'm sure you've seen it too, Doctor, where, uh, where by the son of the founder of Hamas, said that they, to them it's just a blackmailing business it's not it's not about helping the palestinian people it's just about whenever they need money they start a war and when that war uh, goes on they get lots and lots of aid from all the rest of the world and then when the war is over they get lots and lots of aid it's fascinating that uh, there are so many people in our country particularly on our college campuses uh, who side with Hamas, who seem to side with the terrorists, it's, for, for for reasons that are hard to understand, well, if they know anything about history, they're they're, uh, they're horrifyingly hard to understand. To, again, to go back to the news, and I try to follow the news hour by hour. There's a, a representative in Congress again trying to draw a, a Democrat, of course, trying to draw a moral equivalence between the bombing by Israel of Hamas military installations and the raping by Hamas of Jewish women 
They're the victims of Hamas. They're the, and they're the victims of the college campuses. The dopes on college campuses talk about the rights of women and how the conservatives don't respect the rights of women and they will respect the rights of women. And in the meantime, they're standing up for Hamas who live and die by rape. I mean, so the next book I write, if I, if I, if God gives me the opportunity to do so, I want to write a book as re- about rape as a policy of war by certain countries. And rape has always been a policy of war by the dictatorial left, and still is. And uh, I'd like to see Mr. Trump get in there and really show the world what, what we think. The, the media really seem to hate Mr. Nixon. Yep, uh, they don't, they don't just seem to. <laughs> why, do, why do you think they hate you him know, so much? I have never understood that. You know, let's go back even farther. Why do, why do so many people hate Jews? I've, I've never understood that. I mean, especially in the media. The media is largely is Jewish. Why do so yeah. many people in the media hate Jews? Why do so many people in the media hate Eretz Israel, as we Jews call it? I, I just don't know, but I think it has to do with envy. I mean, it has to do with, in the Middle East, Israel took this barren plot of land, a miserable bludgeon all soaked with blood of the Jews, and the, and, and the left-wingers think this is how a country should be run. It doesn't work. It does not, did not work for Hamas. It didn't work for any one of the many, many Palestinian liberation groups. It, it works for dictators and scum. Yeah, it's not it's not only their hatred of Nixon and, and hatred of the Jews, but what the heck is going on with the media in general, the mainstream media? Oh, boy. I mean, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> my dear sir. Talk about useful idiots. <laughs> useful, yes, useful idiots. And where did we get that phrase from? Comrade Lenin. There's a... Uh, I, I don't know, but I know that the people in the media are just pathetic. And, and sir, I'm old. I'm seven years older than you, doctor. So I remember when the media was not quite as horrible as it is now, but it was always heading in that direction. The incredibly clever people who are on the left-wing side of the American political spectrum who run, run, want to run things and have managed to steal enough money to give them enough power in the world of broadcasting. They, sir, they will someday have to atone, I hope, for their crimes against, against men and women. Let me ask you also about cancel culture. Sir, I can make faces and make noises and so forth. I'm not employed <laughs> by anybody, so I can do anything I want. Sir, I have seen it happen in my own life. And I, I used to, you, you didn't, I'm not sure you mentioned this at the beginning. I used to be a columnist for the New York Times. Yes, that New York mm-hmm. Times, the real New York Times. And I wrote about the economy. I wrote, I wrote a column. I, I cannot, so old now, I think it was only one day a week. I wrote a column, I think it was on Sundays, about uh, the, what should I say? Well, just the economy. And I was fired from that after two or three years, supposedly because I, endorsed an investment bank uh, while I was still working with the New York Times. That's complete nonsense. And eventually, they admitted it was complete nonsense. And, and they, it was just done in order to rationalize their stunningly horrible behavior. And, and it's happened in Hollywood, too. I used to have a very, very lively career in Hollywood, an astonishingly lively career for a person who had basically no experience in acting whatsoever. But I was getting 
calls to be in movies and TV shows all the time. All that went away. Why? Well, I don't know why for sure, but anyway, I think it went away in large part because I insisted upon telling the truth, which is the Republican Party is not anti-black, it's not anti-woman. Of course not. Just people who want to work, have fun working, <laughs> being an actor. Being an actor, by the way, doctor, is as good a job as there is on this planet. <laughs> it is. It's really, really uh, good. What would you say is the Nixon legacy? A piece. He, Mr. Nixon said, I want to leave to, upon America, a generation, leave for America, rather, a generation of peace. We had had so many wars, such horrible, horrible wars. And by the way, doctor, people often forget the Korean War. That was a terrible, terrible war. And people just it acted as if it never happened. It was a terrible war. They were just uh, vicious, cruel, horrible killers. We've forgotten about that in large part. We've just ignored that, swept it under the rug. Sir, that was disgraceful. It's disgraceful that American young people in particular have no idea of what led up to Nixon's wish, demand, insistence that there be a generation of peace after he was president. And he did a, he did a lot to open up uh, relationships with uh, China. You bet, also. you bet, you bet he did. And he loved it. He didn't, I don't know, he loved the Chinese, but he, he loved, loved, <laughs> loved having a America fully engaged with the rest of the world. The Chinese are incredibly adept at getting themselves on, on television. In fact, the Chinese are incredibly adept at almost everything, but they're incredibly adept at getting themselves on television, and they, and they somehow manage to come across as peacemakers, people who love peace. Uh, they're not. They're not at all. But they get themselves across that way, and young people say, oh, look at these Chinese people. They're so incredibly impressive, and they are impressive, but not like America. I'll tell you something interesting, doctor. I'm sure you, as a very smart, astute observer of the world, have noticed this. We don't see huge numbers of people going, uh, uh, fording rivers, uh, climbing mountains, starving to death in the mountain, mountain peaks because they want to get into a country and the country is China. No, they do that. They get do anything to get into a country called America, the United States of America. That's where people want to be, and that's where they should be if they really believe in human decency. Absolutely. Well, where can people find your book, and, and what do you hope people will take away from it? That Mr. Nixon was, uh, was lied about, that the media is extremely, extremely, extremely unreliable in terms of uh, getting out the truth about anything and anything or anyone in politics, uh, that uh, we have had a great, great leader in this country called Richard M. Nixon, who got us out of the war in Vietnam, who opened relations with China, who uh, greatly improved relations with the Soviet Union, and the, and the media does not, in any sense, give him credit for these things, or give the United States of America credit for these things. What would be a wonderful thing would be if the people in the college campuses could get their heads out of their, well, say what I was going to say, out of their out of the sand, let us say, and see the truth about America and America's relative. Well, like yourself, I I love this country, and it's done a lot for me. And I want to make sure that it's there for those who are coming behind us. Just God like bless you, you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Oh. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. enjoyed that uh, discussion with Ben Stein uh, as much as I did and finding out some things that maybe weren't known or emphasized about President Nixon. You know, it kind of emphasizes why we need to be familiar with history and not just regurgitate what's fed to us by the mainstream media. There's a, a lot to know and to be able to put those things in perspective gives you the ability to analyze what's going on. And uh, in a lot of societies, before they change and they, they become, you know, communist or socialist, the people are dumbed down. We don't want that to happen. We want you to do your own reading, do your research, maybe read this book, find out other perspectives, be willing to discuss things with people, use that incredible brain that God has given us, that's why he gave it to us, so we could use it. And that's going to be it for this week. Thank you for being with us. Subscribe for free. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcast from. Don't miss an episode. Tell other people about it. Rate us. Review us. We need to continue to spread common sense. We want to make common sense common again. And remember the cornerstones faith, liberty, community, and life. We'll see you next week.